1: My wife's family, her parents, her brothers, their family, all 18 of us, were set to enjoy a great day at Michigan Adventure. It's an amusement park, a water park, on the western side of the state. The day was perfect, it was beautiful. The 10 cousins were looking forward to having a blast together, riding rides, probably eating more junk food than they should, but just making memories together. As we came to the conclusion of that day, about 6.30 in the evening, many of the cousins were riding their final rides of the night as we were gonna gather at seven o'clock and move on to something else. Two of my nieces, Lindsay and Brittany, decided that they were gonna ride Chaos, an amusement park ride there, you can see it in the picture, as their final ride. Their other cousin, Shannon, was with them. She chose not to ride. Chaos is a giant rotating disc that tilts in the air while riders are spun in various angles as well as the ability to not only spin around but also spin their cars at the same time. On that particular ride that evening, Chaos was at full capacity, 36 riders. It was moving at full speed when something happened. The giant arm and the center point which held that giant disc separated while it was spinning, the disc was now in a free fall to the ground. And really what it did was it spun itself right into the, into, the, into the ground. Last time I checked, that's not how that ride normally ends. The chaos quickly became a scene of chaos. Riders were trapped. The ride was very unstable as it had come to lean against the arm of the foundation. Shannon, the oldest cousin who chose not to ride, immediately left her place at the fence and began running through the park trying to find other family members to alert them what had happened to Brittany and Lindsay. We all gathered very quickly, and there was a problem, though, for none of us could get close. None of us could find where Brittany and Lindsay were. None of us could see how they were doing. We asked, well, what car, what color car were they in? And Shannon remembered it was a purple car. We looked very quickly, and if you looked at the face of the clock, the 3 o'clock and the 9 o'clock, we could see a purple car, but Lindsay and Brittany weren't in those. You could see the occupants of that car. There was another purple car at the very top, but you couldn't see who was in it. They weren't moving, probably because the ride was extremely unstable up there. So we didn't know if they were up there or not. Crews began arriving, fire trucks with ladders. Within 20 minutes, a good-sized crane was brought in to attach some straps to the, to the ride to stabilize it so that the paramedics and firefighters could begin their work of evaluating the injured and removing them from the ride. It was sometime in that 20 minutes that someone in our family noticed a ponytail of a person hanging upside down. It wasn't from the top car. It was from one of the cars that had slammed into the ground. We all recognized that ponytail belonged to one of their two cousins. Suddenly a fun day wasn't so fun. A relaxing day became tough. A day that had been so enjoyable quickly became hard as we waited, as we hoped for something as small as just some minor injuries. In the third psalm, David pens a few verses about a time in his life when life got hard. Where there was pressure. Where in his life, he wasn't certain whether he would even survive. Where the future did not look bright. Look at it with me. The third psalm begins, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Verse 1, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. These verses are based upon the historical account from 2 Samuel chapters 15, 16 and 17. As David pours out his heart to God, when life got hard, when life was filled with pressure, David's writing about a terrifying situation. Some commentators believe he may have been 70 years of of age. As an insurrection takes place, being led by his very own son, Absalom. David has had to flee the palace with just a few faithful followers. Absalom has turned many of Israel against David. So David has no idea who's around the corner, who is ready to attack him, who's going to turn on him. 2 Samuel 15 verse 12, the Bible says, And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. The growing opposition seemed insurmountable with the few men he had, There's tens of thousands of individuals on the side of Absalom, and who knows who else? He's hopelessly outnumbered. And then as we move to chapter 16, we we learn about the, the slander of Shimei, a man from the house of Saul who comes out and curses David. There are times probably in our lives when things don't go in quite the way in which we hoped. Nothing going right for our family that evening, we couldn't get near our nieces. Security had blocked us off, kept us, so no one, not even their parents, could get close to Brittany and Lindsay to see how they were doing. And on top of that, the paramedics weren't relaying any information back. So here we have this distance of 20 yards away, and we have no idea what's going on. We don't know if they're seriously hurt. We don't know if they're paralyzed. We don't know if they have but minor injuries. It was truly a chaotic scene around the chaos. And here for David, his troubles seem hopeless. He has no control over it. This dramatic scene of having to flee the palace, leave Jerusalem, go down the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, and some 20 miles towards Shiloh. I don't know when David had a moment to pause. I don't know when he had a, a bit of time to rest, but at some point he pulls out something and composes this song, this psalm on, uh, on some paper. And through the inspiration of God's Spirit, here he shares his deepest fears and concerns when life is challenging and life gets hard. Yet as we read the entire psalm, we see a, 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 a very different perspective. Something very different, for during his chaotic time, during his time of chaos, David refuses to be controlled by his trouble. Instead, we see a a man putting his trust in the Lord, even in maybe the most trying and difficult time of his life. College student, I don't know what you're dealing with on this Thursday morning. I I don't know what pressures of life you're facing. Some of you may be filled with fear. Others of you may be dealing with a challenge that's great right now. Some of you may feel like your situation is chaos. One writer writes, Psalm 3 gives us a pattern of prayer, peace, and praise amidst pressure. I really like that. And since I'm speaking, I'm going to say it again. Psalm 3 gives us a pattern of prayer, peace, and praise amidst pressure. This very well may have been David's worst day. He's shaken. He's stripped of everything that that he knows, that he's comfortable with. A day in which he's lost everything. Yet as we work through this brief psalm, we learn he's lost nothing. On David's hardest day, his worst day, he teaches us how to grab hold of God to trust him through the chaos of our lives. First of all, We see in verses 1 and 2 that he brings his fears to God. He brings his fears to God. Notice David doesn't stew over the trial. He's not internalizing this challenge before him, though I'm sure he has great fear. But instead, he's bringing the problem to God. He's bringing this fearful thing before God. College students, have you ever done that? When life is hard, rather than worry or panic, have you given it to God? We see the magnitude of this trial. This is an intensely personal trial that he's going through. Oh, it's a bad day. It's it's one of David's worst days. But this trial is is very personal. Absalom has made this thing very personal. His own son, as he's defiled his his father's concubines, as he's now implementing this plot to to remove David from the throne and to to, to ascend to the throne. The plot's in motion. You know, as our family stood around that fence line of chaos, it was personal. You know, there was hundreds of people around that fence line, but only a few of us had people within that fence line who were affected. There were people standing next to me. I still remember a mom and a dad and two kids standing right next to me. They were just onlookers. They didn't have anybody in that chaos. They didn't have anybody on that ride. They were just onlookers. It didn't affect them personally like it was affecting me. And for David, this thing's very personal. Maybe you walked to chapel on this Thursday morning thinking about your day. How challenging it's been already. How tough it's been. How hard it's been. It's not even 10.30 yet. Yet stewing over these challenges won't help. David gives his instruction here. He brings his challenges to God. He cries out, Lord, oh Lord. That's intensely personal. It's Abba, Father, someone I know I'm close to that I can share this with. And God wants to handle your toughest day. God wants to help you through the hardness of today. But we also see a maligning in that trial. In verse 2, it says, many... He's been maligned by some of his closest associates, Ahithophel, once his wisest advisor has now changed sides and is sharing secrets with Absalom. I'm sure he felt forsaken. And then there's Shimei in chapter 16 from the family of Saul, one whom David showed compassion in sparing his life. He could have killed him, that was the ancient times thing to do, but he spared him, allowed him to live. And in David's mercy now, that results in slander against him. If we were to look at chapter 16, verse 7, Shimei comes out and begins to curse David. Come out, come out, thou bloody man. Despite David's love for his son Absalom, he's betrayed his father. His mind is purely evil at this point. I'm sure David felt maligned. You know, some of us, We go through life and we hold on to some challenge, some difficulty in life. And may I briefly illustrate it. Many of us carry a water bottle, some sort of container, from class to class. But imagine you were to hold this water bottle in your left hand, and that's all you did with it. When you got to class, you never set it down on the desk, never placed it on the floor. You just held it. And you went through the entire day. You didn't remove any of the contents from it. You simply held on to it the entire day. Initially, holding on to that water bottle, it's not that heavy. But what happens the longer you hold it without setting it down? It simply becomes more and more heavy. Question, did the weight of the water bottle change? Yet the longer you hold it, the heavier it feels. Translate that for me, coach. Your trial, your water bottle. You keep holding it. Hour after hour, day after day, week after week, you won't release it, you won't give it to God. Yet God is saying through David, hey, release it, share it with your Abba Father, bring those fears to him, allow him to carry that water bottle for a bit. So David brings his fears to God, secondly, he finds his identity in God. Look again at verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. For David, all that he had spent in his life working towards had suddenly unraveled and was gone. For the last years, he's been king. He's lived in a palace. He's done those things that a king does, and now suddenly all that's gone. But what did David do when all was lost? College student, what happens when you're filled with despair? You see, David's identity is not wrapped up in his circumstances. And when things were good, awesome. But when things were troubling, he fell apart. You know, I think sometimes that's what happens in our life. No, David's identity is that he belongs to God. He's God's king. And he turns to God even when circumstances make him doubt who he is. His confidence is in the Lord. You know, often circumstances can warp our view of ourselves And life, think about Shimei's cursings at David. Would that warp your thinking if someone all of a sudden came out in the street and started cursing at you, slandering your character? How about Absalom going around the country telling all of Israel, hey, don't follow David. He's a washed-up old man. You guys, we need a new king. Even his best friend, his counselor, turns on him. But note three ways in which David views his heavenly father. He views God as, you are my shield. A shield. We know what the purpose of a shield is. It stops the enemy from harming us. David is is thinking about a shield and God being that impenetrable shield in his life. That nothing that the enemy hurls at him is going to strike him. Now, I am your shield is not the first time in Scripture that this has been mentioned. For God told Abram in Genesis 15, 1, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. I'm your protector. Second Samuel 22, verses 2 through 4. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield. They say, oh, that that fits in real nicely with Old Testament stories. But young people, don't forget those stories lead to a principle that Paul shared for us in Ephesians chapter 6 where we're to take up the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The same shield available to David, the same shield available to Abram is the same shield available to you in your times of trouble. God, you are my shield in this hard time. But he also viewed God as as my glory. You are my highest ambition, my glory. All that I ever hope to be is to be identified with my Lord. Lord, you are my glory. Can you remember that when you're going through a miserable Monday or a taxing Tuesday or a weary Wednesday? How about a turbulent Thursday? Fear-filled Friday. Hey, Don't get wrapped up in the earthly glory given to yourself. Get wrapped up. Get focused on your worship towards the Lord. My glory is God in heaven. Everything good that emanates from your life comes from the Lord. He should be our glory. I can't say it any better than Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. And don't let the mighty man glory in his might... And don't let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. David views God in one more way. The Lord is the lifter up of his head. Those of you that have spent any time on an athletic field or a court, you've probably heard someone say, get your head up, pick your head up. You made some mistake, some error, you threw the ball away. First thing you did after doing that was you lowered your head you looked at the ground you maybe slowed down your play and then that coach barked those words get your head up next play david could have easily bowed his head dropped his shoulders due to the circumstances he was facing but instead he we see him raising his head because of his confidence in god and no matter what was happening it was next play God cannot and will not abandon his own. He cannot because we belong to him. Christian, get your head up, next play. God has been faithful during good times and he will be faithful in the troublesome times as well. God can't pick and choose. God promised to be faithful and it didn't depend on circumstances. Now you might ask this question and it's a good question. Aren't the problems that David's facing a result of his sin? And yes, many of the circumstances, the difficulties that he's facing is the result and due to choices that he made. But you must also remember this about David. Sin was not the pattern of his life. For God himself said that David was a man after his own heart. That was the pattern of David's life. And that's why on this particularly hard day, he knew God wasn't going to abandon him. So during times of chaos, that hard day, those challenging times, God is with you. He's your shield. Make him your glory, the lifter up of your head. In verses 5 and 6, we see a third idea. Trust God, not the circumstances. Lindsay and Brittany were removed from the chaos ride. As they were placed on stretchers, they appeared to be in pretty good shape. Some bumps, bruises, maybe a concussion. We didn't know. We couldn't get close to them. So they were taken by ambulance to the hospital, so a longer day just got really long with x-rays, evaluations, and tests. Most of us as a family, we headed back to my in-law's house and waited for those two to get back home. Here, David's been through a rough day, a great trial, yet he's trusting in God. Now notice the peace that David had. Despite the shame, the humiliation, the terror of this whole day, He doesn't despair. He doesn't try to stand in his own strength. David doesn't call for his military generals. Hey, we got to come up with a plan. 30 of us against 10,000. Come on, let's get a plan in order. No, instead he's looking to God and there's a peace that comes over him. He's at ease with God's care of him. In fact, it says he sleeps. He gets rest. Old Testament story, Right? But there's always a New Testament principle that goes with it. And we heard a part of this verse last night, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Though he's not sleeping in his palace bed, instead he's in a makeshift campsite in the wilderness, he's able to sleep. Now that's unheard of in ancient times because every king is going to be watching his back. He's already had one close advisor go against him. Who's next? And despite a large army out in search for him, David knew God was on lookout duty for him. God was his protection. God was going to be the sustainer of his life. And by sleeping, David shows us his trust in God. And then he says in verse 5, the Lord sustained me. He, 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 he wakened me and it felt better. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will neither slumber nor sleep. How about your peace? What about you? In those challenging, chaotic times of life, where's your focus? Can we grab hold of God's care for us? Finally, in verses 7 and 8, he praises God for deliverance. He praises God for deliverance. Now, maybe in the middle of that trial, he wondered when deliverance would come. But these two verses in Psalm 3 are telling us because of that relationship with God, that dependence upon God, he can call out to God knowing that he'll deliver him and he can praise him for that. Now the enemy loved to say up in the earlier verses, you know, verse 2, many there be which say of my soul, there's no help in God. There's others that would say, you know, you can't rely on that spiritual kind of stuff in in the situation that you're going through, but David does. Salvation belongs to God. And so he praises for God's defense. He says, strike my enemies on the the cheek. The idea there is to make them defenseless. It's the idea of a warrior who has been rendered without a weapon, without any sort of defenses. He's now weak. He's vulnerable. And that's what David relies on. God, you take care of this situation. Make them defenseless. I'm trusting you because of the defense that you'll provide. Break the teeth of the wicked. I think this was directed towards a couple people, but he said, stop their mouths. Take away their ability to harm or speak against me, Ahithophel and Shimei. And then he praises for God's blessing. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then he says that great word at the end to conclude the psalm, Selah. Think on that one. Lift up the Lord God on this. Move your thoughts toward the Lord God. Experiencing a hard day? Tough Thursday? Chaotic week? Focus on Him. Praise Him. As the emergency workers were doing their thing on chaos, I was looking at that car and and the surroundings, and for whatever reason, for quite a period of time, I never looked up. And then I looked up and I saw the letters C-H-A-O-S. And, and what was funny about it, it caught my eye because it was still illuminated. And I thought this disc was completely separated from the foundation. But for some reason, those letters were illuminated. And so I started staring at those five letters. And as I guess my brain thinks, I started ac- thinking of an acronym. C. Christ. H. Handles. A. All. O. Our. S. Situations. Christ handles all our situations. Christ hears all our supplications. And I remember praying silent to to myself, God, you got this. You're present here to handle this traumatic, chaotic situation here in some tiny little amusement park in western Michigan. God You are here, and you got this. A day later, Lindsay and Brittany, Brittany's dad, sat in some chairs in my in-law's home with a camera, a lot of bright lights, and some microphones pointed their way. They were going to do a live interview on ABC's Good Morning America. They got the usual two questions in an interview like this. What was going through your mind, and now how are you doing? But through those simple questions, an opportunity was presented to state that they were fine, but they were thankful for the Lord's protection and his care because they trusted in the Lord. And in their chaotic moment on chaos, they could pray to God. And here they are presenting, in a sense, their third psalm to the listeners on ABC's Good Morning America. College student facing some hard and challenging days or weeks How will your third psalm be written as you go through and exit this challenging time? Your circumstances right now, chaotic. But allow God to be your shield, your glory, and the lifter up of your head. Many are they increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. For thou... O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. But Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter
0: of my head. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.